We'll keep it short though, half hour. Hello. Ooh, are we on? We are on. Is the music still going? The music is fading out as we speak. Slow fade. So hello everybody. Welcome once again to another episode of the Worship Ministry Catalyst podcast. Woohoo! Worship Ministry Catalyst is a networking resource for all worship leaders and worship team members and worship arts personnel oh, and was, worship tech wow, people oh. and he, anyone still... involved in any kind of worship. And our goal is to help facilitate serve as a catalyst oh did i get it wrong i don't know i don't know see now you're meant now you're, wait, <laughs> i didn't do it like i always do it so i'm all out yeah, of sync now yeah, yeah you totally messed me up worship ministry catalyst networking, is a networking resource. resource helping facilitate worship in the local church wait no see now i'm messing it all right <laughs> okay, sorry, here, sorry we for the here we go <laughs> <laughs> take two <laughs> Worship Ministry Catalyst is a networking resource for all worship leaders and worship team members serving as a catalyst to facilitate better worship in the local there, church. Okay. <laughs> there we go. I'm David. And I'm Kevin. How you guys doing? Uh, how you guys? Like me or how's... No, like the audience. Oh, how are they doing? I, I think they're doing... We're going to pause for your response. So in three seconds, you can respond to that question. Three, two, one. Good. Good. I'm glad you're doing okay. All right. Or if your response was... Horrible. Horrible. Well, I hope you have a better day tomorrow. Yeah. If you need support, call Kevin. No. Or well, <laughs> sure. I mean, but uh, you know, I think I think David, you're you're just so much better at you're so much better at so many more things than me, <laughs> no, like I'm blogging. Not. You know, yeah, I, I, I I referenced it. Uh, you're better at a lot more things. I referenced it. For last example, you episode. are a far better B three player than I will ever well, be. Well, yeah, which you that, need to show me some things because I'm starting to play some B three. That's because here. I played it for like five years. Um, I I had the privilege. Um, uh, when I was in college and actually in high school, I had the privilege of going to a church, a big church, that um actually had like a real authentic. Uh, Hammond B3 organ. Uh, I ran it through a, a Leslie 122 cabinet. It was absolutely amazing. Um, and I, I pretty much uh, cut my teeth on that thing, just yeah. learning how to play. And uh, um, I, and then once I got in college, I joined a band where that was my role. Um, I played the the B3. What I did is I, I bought a, a Hammond XB2 organ, which is kind of an electronic um organ is a simulator but then i actually ran it through um, a 145 leslie cabinet which is a smaller a smaller cabinet not as big as the uh, the 122 but it still wasn't very small and no and no it, it was still <laughs> big yeah it was, it was you still... guys had an isolation box for that thing too right well we had we had a, a traveling uh container so because we traveled a lot our right. band and uh so scott scott olson who's been here before he he built this really nice cabinet for it um, it had wheels, and so we would we we went to our 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 gig wherever we were playing, and then we would just uh, lift the top off, and it just kind of sat there in in the box. It was actually really nice, really yeah, really convenient. But anyway, yeah. Apparently, so, there's some guy that's connected to our church some way that has a B3. Oh, you're kidding me! And so, um, someone was telling me about him, and I guess it's just sitting in his house. Oh, so I'm gonna, I'm trying to figure out like oh. like. If I can, if I can figure out who the guy is for one, <laughs> and then like if I can talk to him, I don't know if he actually goes here, or if he just is connected to someone who goes here, might have gone to Laurelwood or something. But anyway, he's got a B three in his house, and I guess it needs a couple repairs on it, it or something. And so, but I'm like, I wonder if there's a way that I could talk this guy into storing it 
at our church. Yeah. Because he said he never plays it. I'm like, well, uh, I would give this guy a key and he could come play it anytime he wants. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, but like, you know, we could build a little platform on it and we could just, you know, r- put it out on the stage whenever uh, we were going to use it. Th- there's there's something so beautiful about a Hammond organ on yeah. a song. And, and, and I, I've, uh, I've recorded a number of songs for Scott, for John, and uh, the, the only reason they keep coming back to me is because I actually know how to play the the, the Hammond, the B3. And, um, you know, if you do it right and, and you lay down just like this nice, smooth uh, B3 track, it adds so much depth. Um, it does. And know? it's a it's one of the things that I'm liking about it is it's a it's a you can use it as a lead instrument. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You can solo and on so it. And so like lead on for it. for bands that don't have a, a lead guitarist, you have a lead instrument. If you can if you can play, if you can learn how to play right. a B3 or even, you know, like I'm just using a. A, a draw bar organ sound on my keyboard to do it on the motif. Yeah, sweet. And so, but so if I can learn how to do some of the solo stuff, then I can fill in a huge gap that's missing from a lot of yeah. our bands by just doing that. And, and what's nice, I mean, especially with technology, the, there's actually some really good mods and good programs. I mean, um, there's this great program. It's called a B4. And it's a it's just a computer simulated. Oh yeah, that's right. It's a computer simulated uh, program, and it just works US you know USB from your computer into any kind of um, controller device. My that predecessor, has keys. I think, is buying one of those. Yeah, and it's not bad. I mean, you know, obviously it doesn't sound like a B three organ. You know, you you just like a, a keyboard will never sound like a piano, but you know, for four or five hundred bucks, it's pretty it's pretty sweet. I was recording the Motif XS eight and the Pro Tools the other day. And you could have sworn it sounded like a piano. I I have never been able to record a piano that sounded that good. Wow! And I was just running right out of you, right just, out of the quarter inch, right into my computer. Really, and like, it sounded great. It sounded really good. I'm like, wow. <laughs> and it, but the funny thing is, it never sounds that good. Yeah. In my ears down in the sanctuary, because yeah. you know, we have the AVM system. Is, is that what you use on Sundays? That motif. Right now, I'm back to the piano, but I'm really frustrated with our piano. It needs some mm. work done on it uh, because it never stays in tune. Ew. Did I tell you that I broke our piano again? You told you told me, but you didn't tell me what you did. Did you break a string? No, well, I broke a string a while okay. a while ago. But um, um, I I thought I'd actually destroy the entire soundboard, which is like where um the the keys are actually housed. You know the hammers mm-hmm. and everything. Uh, because what happened was um one of the the notes the the D and the E flat, uh they started sticking together. You know. And and um, I talked with a guy. He's like, man, you might have to replace your entire soundboard, get new felts, get new hammers, get the whole, you know. And that's like that's like fifteen hundred, two thousand yeah. dollars, you know. Uh, luckily, I, I I got a technician out. He uh, he pulled out the whole the whole thing, which I I'd, I'd never seen a piano gutted before. It was really weird. Like he actually took out all the keys. He took out the the soundboard. He took out the whole thing, and and the piano was just an empty shell. It was really weird. But um. There are some, you know, old upright grands. Mm-hmm. There are some cool. Uh, there's uh, like people are gunning them and then using them as desks. What? Yeah, which you know is kind of atrocious, but at the yeah. same time, it's kind of cool. But, but <laughs> at the same time, it's, it's eerily cool. Yeah. Anyway, so it turns out it was the uh, the center action pin. Uh, I guess each um, each time you hit the note. Uh, you know, you have the you have the uh, the stem and then the hammer, which hits the string. And once you hit the note, 
there's there's this action pin, and that that's where you get your response when you actually hit the key. That's how it falls back. Mm-hmm. And the action pin had gotten stuck, and so it wasn't retracting, which is why it was sticking to the E flat, causing both notes to just go out of sync. So it only ended up being like seventy bucks to fix cool. it. Which was great. Well, uh, we just started choir practice up a couple weeks ago. And last year we were practicing in the sanctuary, which for, you know, 30 people in the big sanctuary that holds like 400 people, (laughs) which, you know, it's not big to a lot of people, but it's big to us. Yeah, no. But, um, you know, it's really hard to fill up the room with sound and, you know, feel like you're actually singing well as a choir. So we moved to a different room and there's an old upright grand downstairs and I went and played it and, uh, Two notes would they weren't sticking together, but the F sharp above middle C and the G when you hit them they wouldn't come back up, right? Oh, and so, so it's an old upright grand. I'm not going to pay anybody <laughs> to come out and fix it. So I just took it apart and took the keys off, took those keys off, and I thought, <laughs> I looked around, I couldn't find anything. You know, I just kind of uh, hit the hammers a little bit from the bottom. Yeah. And everything seemed to be working. Put the keys back in, and it works fine. You're getting me. yeah. I didn't do anything. <laughs> you no, but that's great that, yeah. that you're like ah, I can fix this. I have apparently I, had I a, can, even though I didn't actually do anything. I, I, I love it. I love it when you go into something not knowing if it's gonna work or not, and it ends up work. I had a similar experience with my car. I tried to change the belts on my car, and um, I mean, it took me like eight hours, but I I did it. You know, nice. And and, and the and uh. The best thing of all is I didn't have to spend $400 paying yeah. some guy, you know, for three hours of labor. So my wife did our taxes this year. Oh, that's great. Like TurboTax or? Yeah, she did TurboTax. Okay. So normally I, I hate taxes. I've I, always, I know. My, uh, my dad did, did our taxes growing up. And I remember hating that time oh, because he would get frustrated yeah. and there would always be, you know, thousands of receipts and tax papers spread out. Cause he was self-employed. He was a pastor and a painter. So he was self-employed. So, so he, he had just stuff his- spread out all over the house. Right. And you couldn't go anywhere near it because if the and, and, wind and blew like, something don't, out of place, don't talk to dad right now. He's yeah. doing taxes. <laughs> so, so, you know, since I was a kid, I've been trained to hate taxes. Right. Yeah. So I always did. I'm always went to Jackson Hewitt and we'd pay somebody and they just ask other questions well you know funds are a little bit tighter right now with stuff that's going on and so she's she's just decides well i'm just going to try it and she just goes through it she takes her time Mm -hmm. a couple days figures everything out and we're getting our return in a couple weeks it's like boom and the best thing of all, I mean, it's only like 40 or 60 bucks or whatever if you do uh, the state filing too. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I had a similar experience. You know, I, I went to Garza H&R Block and, um, you know, it's like $200 or something. And so I'm like, man, forget this. I'm going to try. Well, yeah, but try you know, the free TurboTax, they ask you the exact same questions that if you're sitting there talking to a person that you're paying to do it for you right. is asking you. <laughs> So they're the exact same questions. Yeah, so if you, you can just read them. <laughs> except, you know, as H&R Block says, you know, we, we, we got people or you got, you know, that that's their whole thing. Yeah. But hey, and, and FYI, we we are not trying to endorse uh, TurboTax or any any <laughs> no. form of tax um, preparation tool. But we do want you to pay your taxes. But we do want you to pay your taxes. No matter what country you live in. That's really important. Especially if you live in America right I, now. You know what we should do? We should send this episode to like some HR or uh, some PR rep at, at a TurboTax and just see, you know, maybe some free publicity. If yeah. they'll give us like a t-shirt. 
a t-shirt or a hat, anything, right? Maybe they'll want to advertise on our site and yeah, we'll actually sure. make money for once. Because <laughs> that's, that's what we're in this for. Yeah. We're, we're in it to make money. A whole lot of money, you right? Know, we, we were talking last Ooh, episode. The air is about to come on. I just heard the thermostat kick. It's 77 degrees in here right now, in case you're wondering. Oh. It is pretty warm in here. It's isn't toasty. It? My, my eyes are starting to like get my all... Mac is like a furnace. <laughs> I'm not kidding. You should you should come put your hand behind the fan right now. <laughs> it's It'll melt blowing, the skin. It's like blowing heat. <laughs> I'm Any... serious. I used to I used to I well, I don't do it anymore. I used to have to put my computer to sleep at night so the office would just cool down because it wouldn't like I would leave, it'd be seventy five, seventy six degrees, come back first thing in the morning, seventy five, seventy six wow. degrees. But uh, but now, but when I put it to sleep, it crashes, which I know Macs aren't supposed to crash. Wow. But it crashes. It does crash. So for all you Mac users out there who swear by your Macintosh, yep. it does, you know, it happens. It crashes. Yep. I was going to say, though, last episode was our 25th episode. 25. And, um, and I was thinking, uh, um, I don't know why I thought of this, but while we were recording, uh, I had I had a... Um, uh, one of those, one of those kind of epiphany moments. I'm a, I'm a huge Simpsons fan. All right, so, uh, which I know, I Won't know, hold it against you. I know, I know some people are like really anti Simpsons, but I find them hilarious and witty and funny. And um, they, they just recently like recorded their 500th episode. You know, they, um, they're, they're going into their 20th year of being on the air. I mean, just unbelievable. It's insane. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's insane when you think it. it's the longest-running sitcom in, in, like, entertainment history, you know, 20 years on the air. And anyway, so so I have, you know, I have a bunch of their DVDs, and I listen to the audio commentaries, you know, and um, it, it's just it's funny because you, you, uh, you hear these guys uh, who are sitting in a room just like this, talking in a microphone just like we are, talking about the episodes and uh <laughs> we should do commentary on one of our yeah, podcasts <laughs> and yeah you know i thought how fun would that be to, to do like a, an audio commentary on our podcast or um and, and then what really got me thinking uh one of the one of the writers of the show uh john schwartzwelder who is probably the most prolific simpsons writer he's written over like 55 shows um, which for a writer is huge, you mm-hmm. know, when you look at most TV shows, uh, usually there's a team of writers, there's like 15, 20 writers, and each writer will write one or two episodes. John Schwartzwelder has written like 50 episodes, and I started thinking, man, 55 episodes, I started thinking, I mean, we've only recorded 25, you know, podcasts, and here this guy is, you know, 20 years time, he's been writing episodes for The Simpsons. And uh, he never does audio commentaries, though. He refuses He refuses to record his voice for some reason. Um, Maybe he sounds like Homer. That's that's what it is. Yeah. Okay, we got to figure it out. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, I thought it'd be fun if we uh, did, a, did an audio commentary on our episodes. Uh, <laughs> that just, would be really funny. Just for the heck of it. Yeah, we should do that. Just like... Just for fun, like yeah. what a five minute. Just five. Well, we should like write a five minute podcast, <laughs> like and, and then come in, perform it, and then do audio commentary. That's great. That's great. Maybe not. No, probably not. Anyway, hey, It'd be so kind of fun so, if we did uh, um, what are we talking about today? We're talking about new music, new music, new songs. Yep. Sing to the Lord a new, new song. song. Is that what that was talking about? Like an actual new song? Yeah, well. Or is it talking about when you get saved, then you sing to the Lord a new song wow. because you're not singing the old song? See, now we're getting all theological. Yeah. You know? Anyway, I, I've taken it to mean a new song, like 
an actual new song. Okay. For saved people to sing new songs. Say good, good. That's what we're going to talk about today, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so now, now um, that we got that cleared up. There's been I've been involved in some discussions online about this recently about how many how many new songs can you introduce in a year and uh you know i've there there've been anywhere from 3 to 4 a year new songs which kind of blew my mind to someone who's like 50 or 60 a year wow 50 I mean, that that's like one a week you yeah, know yeah one a week and so so obviously out there there's a huge spectrum of how many songs is appropriate to So to let, let me just ask you, just top of your head, mm-hmm. how many new songs do you on average introduce a year? Or how, well, let's just make Probably it, in the 20 to 30 range. Okay, so you're doing about like what, one new song every three weeks? Probably. Okay. Yeah, and you know, we, for one, we're commanded to sing a new song. Mm-hmm. And so, which is always an argument for the contemporary people against the traditional people. Right, yeah, the, the, contempt, the contempts love using that verse. <laughs> Come on, the Bible says it! And, and the traditionals love singing, uh, or love bringing back the uh, uh, psalms, hymns, and spiritual yeah. songs, right? <laughs> so, uh, anyway. Worse, worse both ways. Yeah, but, um, no, it's probably right around the 20, okay. 20-ish. 30 I, might be a little high. I would say I probably 15 to 20. I would say probably one every four weeks. Yeah, so, yeah, 15 to 20, which is I think is a good a good balance. Yeah, of, I, course, of course, and, we think that. Yeah. But, you know, I'll, I'll be honest. Um, we were talking last episode about our, our year-end reviews, and, and uh, the few people that did actually turn in their year-end reviews, one of the comments I got, I actually got two people who said this, um, saying that um, you know we we do too many songs, uh, saying you know if we, if we only had thirty or forty songs to worry about, you know if we just sang, if we just sang thirty or forty songs, it'd be so much easier on us. We could memorize them, but you know we because I would say probably in our collection, you know because I have this like giant database mm-hmm. of all the songs that we've ever done at Laurelwood, right? And you know a, a lot of those songs we just don't do anymore. Um, but I mean, there's, there's something like 400 songs, you know, that, that three fifty four hundred songs that have that an Excel spreadsheet. Yes. Yes. I Excel. Do you know which one I'm talking about? Well, I think I might've started that. Oh, did you? <laughs> yeah. Cause it, it, uh, it started back in like Oh two, I think maybe it was Oh three. I, well, I, yeah, I was there in Oh two and Oh three. Well, there you go. So yeah. you're the one that started it. Yeah. Well, we kept it going. Yes. Look at that one. <laughs> There's actually something affirmation. <laughs> something Thank you, you. actually kept going. Something is still there. Anyway, that's great. That's totally for, for selfish. For those of you who don't know, David actually was the interim worship pastor at the church where I am now the 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 full time pastor. David back uh, in the day. Yeah, David interned there for. Termed. He interned there for um, <laughs> a year and a half or eighteen months. Yeah, a year and a half. That's a, a long. That's a long time to interim. And I wasn't the only one. But anyway, we'll move on from there. Moving on. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of discussion about about what's an okay procedure for new songs. Um, and you brought up a good point. For us, that seems like an okay amount. But for for some people, for people in our congregation, it might seem like way too many. Um, one of the things that that I think we have to keep in balance, like as a worship leader. 
or a person involved in worship ministry, we're, we're really, I th- a lot of people, at least, you know, in my experience, a lot of people involved in worship ministry are always listening for new songs or, you know, they've got their ear out for new songs or they'll right. buy a worship CD looking for new songs that, yeah. that they want to bring to you or to me to show us because they want us to do this or that or something. And so people involved in worship ministry are used to the new and they're also, um, but uh, by the time it gets to the congregation, it's not new anymore. You know what I mean? Mm. And so, so we have to be careful about how many new songs we introduce to the congregation based on our own personal preferences. Because, you know, if it were up to us, I think we would introduce way more new songs because... I, I think so, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because, you know... Well, because I, they, they aren't new to us. Right. I mean, they're songs, they're songs that, that I sing... You know, when, when I'm listening to, uh, you know, it's my iPod, when I'm in the car, when, when I'm at home doing, you know, just my own personal worship, my own personal devotion, the, these are songs that resonate with me. And those are the ones that I typically will, will bring to the church because they've found a home in my heart, you know? Well, and we've talked about how we pick new songs before. Yeah, yeah, we had a whole episode on and, that. And, you know, for me, so by the time, a lot of times by the time a new song gets to the congregation, I've listened to it probably 30 or 40 times and then you know I've played it probably 10 times or something and like that. And you worked out an arrangement, you Yeah. Kinda, so yeah. so by the time before I you know by the time I actually bring it to the worship band it's not new to me anymore. And then you know sure. by the time the worship band learns it it's not really new to them anymore. So it's only new to the congregation and the congregation only gets one shot at it. You know, yeah. they only get to hear it and try and sing it once. And so if we're always throwing new songs at them, then they never get this chance to actually learn a song. So so let's talk strategy. Yeah. Um, one, of the, one of the things that, that I do, and I actually got this from uh, Steve Hotra, who is the uh, worship pastor at um, Summit View uh, over in the west part of Vancouver, or not west part, the north part of Vancouver. Anyway, you know Steve Hotra because yes. you, you met him uh, once, mm-hmm. had a... Um, he he actually said something that really stuck with me, and, and uh, which is a strategy that I have kind of implemented for my own self. Um, when I'm introducing a new song, oftentimes uh, I will first do that song as like a special number, like during an offering, um, or maybe just as a, as a special piece, you know, to to kind of enhance what we're doing with the the theme or the development of the worship service. Because if it's new, chances are not very many people are going to be singing anyway. So you might as well just allow them to not sing. My, yeah, might as well have them enjoy it, right? Might <laughs> yeah, as well have I'm them just soak listen. it in. Yeah. And what I'll often do, if I know I'm going to do this song as as a future worship song, I'll put the words on the back. So I'll actually let people follow along, mm-hmm. have them you know listening, have them following along. Um, you know, Maybe even if we do the song... Uh, and, and we do the chorus a couple times. Maybe that last chorus, I'll actually invite them to sing. But then what I'll do the next week, um, we'll, we'll play the song instrumentally as a prelude. So as people are coming in, we have a prelude going on. And then I'll teach that song. And um, and what what happens at this point is, is people people kind of vaguely, it sounds vaguely familiar. And not everyone maybe knows where they've heard it or why they kind of know it. But at least it's not like, wow, I have no idea what this song is. There, there's a hint of familiarity. Yeah. And so I teach it to them. What I do is, is, is first, 
um, I I will sing through the song by myself, uh, and, and then I'll I'll sing like maybe the verse, and I'll say, "All right, you guys try it with me," and, and I'll plunk out the melody mm-hmm. on the piano, and then I'll say, "You actually do that in I'll, the service?" I'll actually do that in the service. Wow. Yep, I do it in the service. And then I say, all right. And then the chorus goes like this, da 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 da, da and I'll play the chorus. And I'll say, now you guys try it. Let's sing, you know, sing it together. And then I'll plunk it out on the piano, and then and I'll just be like, that's it. That's the song. Uh, the second verse is the same as the first. So and I'll say, so let's give <laughs> a little it a bit sh- louder, a little bit worse. Yeah, little, yeah. <laughs> and, and so I say, you know, and so I'll I'll, I'll say. Um, I'll say, yeah, second verse, same as the first, chorus repeats itself. And then there's a little bridge that you guys will pick up, no problem. So let's give it a shot. One, two, three, four. And then we just kick it in. Cool. Yeah, the, and, and and it's worked pretty well. And then I'll do the song again the following week. And then I'll let it, and then I won't do it for like three or four weeks. And just let it let it sit. And then I'll bring it back. And usually by the time I bring it back, people have connected with it. We kind of do some of the same stuff. Um give you an example uh we always well not we our sound guys played the same cd pretty much for the prelude for like the walk-in music okay for like my first whole year here and it was chris tomlin's not See this the morning or, yeah, yeah yeah and so rejoice is on that one right rejoice. and um we had never done that song but because they had played that cd people knew it every single week which i think it's i'm trying to ban that cd from actually getting played before <laughs> service anymore that and uh, the acoustic version of stars um but uh anyway we uh like, like the switch with stars yeah when i look at the yeah. star that's the, funny what's it's an acoustic version got a real long acoustic intro oh, okay. and stuff on it it's pretty cool but when you've heard it 50 or 60 times yeah. it kind of wears on you but um so we we had never done that song as a congregation. Our pastor was doing a sermon right before Christmas, and he was talking about the shepherds, and, and his last point was rejoice. So I thought, man, how can I not do that song, mm-hmm. Rejoice, by Chris Tomlin? But it's brand new. It was a closing song. I'm like, man, that, that seems like kind of a risk to do a new song at the close of the service and leave people at the at the end of the service feeling like, we left on a really weird note because they didn't know the song we were singing. Right. Everybody knew the song. Everyone knew it and they sang. Everyone knew it. Everyone sang. I even asked people, so what did you guys think about that new song we did at the end? That was new? new. What? Nobody knew that it was new and we'd never <laughs> done it it's in the service. That's right? great. That's great. And so, so playing it. And so we've got a playlist now that we, that we have that plays every week before the service. It's got a lot of the new worship songs in it that we're going to introduce over the next year. Cool. Um, so we do that when we're doing a new song in the service, we'll do it instrumentally as a prelude while people are walking in five yeah. minutes before the yep. service. Yep. And, and I try to make that the first song. So that, so they've just heard the instrumental version, and then we go right into it. Oh, interesting. So it's right back to back. Back to back. And then it's a lot I, I did. Familiar. I did that one time with um, a song I'd actually written. It, it was a, a new song that I'd written um, that I was kind of bringing to the church, and, um, and, and we started off our service that way. But I'll tell you honestly, um, I, I usually try to refrain from having it be the first song or the last song. I, I usually like to sandwich my new songs in the beginning or in the middle mm-hmm. um, because I, I want the beginning to stand out and I want them to, I, I want people to be coming in and, and, uh, and, and kind of celebrating and rejoicing. And I want people to feel settled, you know? Um, 
And then the last song is like usually the thing, the last thing people think of, you know. So I want I want the last song to be a good one too. So I, I usually put my new songs in the middle, you yeah. know. Um, one rule that I learned in college um, was like an eighty five fifteen rule. So like a hundred, you know, all the songs in your service equate to a hundred percent of the songs you're doing that weekend. Then eighty five percent of it needs to be known. Mm. 15% of it needs to be new. And he was saying it actually needed to be new. Wow. So he was saying intentionally make 15% yeah. of your service different. Right. New. So I don't know if you actually have to do that. I think I think there's good reason to. But yeah. at the same time, you know, a new song isn't just new the first time you do it. Yeah. A new song is new the first three or four times you do it. Especially, you know, if you have a lot of people in your church who kind of don't make it every weekend they might hear it some right, one group right. might hear it, another group might not and right and then, <laughs> then of course you know what i have found helpful is um you know especially with the the kind of the rise and the advent of um of the the popularity of worship music you know 10 years ago worship music wasn't necessarily popular you know like like passion was just coming out with some of their corporate stuff and um uh it, it was still very very kind of new in a way and now worship music, everyone's jumping on the bandwagon. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone's recording worship albums, uh, which in a way has actually been helpful because people listen to the radio, you know, and people hear these songs on the radio. And, um, uh, you know, they, they, they connect. Like um, the song I Can Only Imagine, which is actually an older song. I mean, mm-hmm. it was 2001 or 2002 when that song was written by Mercy Me. Uh, but uh, it, it's been played so much on the radio uh, yeah, yes, and emphasize <laughs> so much. Yeah, even though we had never done it at church, you know, we, we did it this last Sunday, and, and I pe- did it once when I was there. Did you? I sang it on my last Sunday there. Oh, yeah. Well, never mind. No, but it was a special. It wasn't okay. Okay. Well, my point being that no, yeah. no one had ever really right. sang it before, but people knew it, and and, yeah. and they were worshiping. It was great. See, one of the one of the snags I'm running into right now. So I've I've been here a year and a few months, year and four or five months, something like that. So I'm going through, and there are some old songs that we don't do anymore. But from time to time, I'd like to bring some of them up out of the past, out of the the dust of the past to yeah. use in the o- present. Open up the vaults and yeah. take, take the archives out. But see, we've also grown a lot in the last few years. And so there are a lot of people here who don't know all the songs that we did back so then. So the old ones are actually new. Yeah, so the old ones are actually new. There's a group of the peop- a group of the congregation that know the old songs. So the th- you know, one of the things I'm struggling with, like, is that, you know, is that my new song that I'm doing or can huh. I even, can I do that song with another new song or is that just too much for everybody? So that's what I did last, this last week I did two old songs. Mm. And so I'm like, is that, you know, is that too much? And I was really wrestling with it because they were both old, brought out from the, from the vault and probably, you know, at least a third of the people had probably never sung it, if not more. Really? And was so, it the, um, uh, uh, the, what was it? Give thanks. No, uh, uh, you are good or good to me. Oh yeah. The, the Craig, um, I cry out for yeah. you, for you are good. Yeah. yeah. So I'd done that one a lot, you know, in yeah. other churches and, you know, yeah, good song. I, it's, yeah, it's a really good song and it fit really well with what our pastor was talking about. And there weren't very many other songs that actually fit really well with what the pastor was right. talking about. So I'm like, I'm going to do it and just kind of see how it goes. I, it probably worked okay, but 
you know, it probably wasn't also one of the best <laughs> weekends that we've had either. So right. as far as as far as the response from the congregation. But anyway, that, you happens. know, it's it's something that I think that we want to think about and also something that we don't want to be selfish about. Hmm. And some of the discussion that's been going on has been kind of selfish, you know, that there are all these new songs and I just, you know, I love them all and I just want to do them, you know, and it's, it's my act of worship. Well, not really, you know, it's not your job to be, to, to go up and just do the songs that you want to do. It's your job to lead people in worship. And, you know, so no matter what our role is on the worship team, it's not our job to do the songs that we like. It's our job to get the people that are in our congregation to worship. And so we need to do whatever we can to facilitate that not facilitate our own interest by doing the songs that we like the best. And so there've been, that's been some of the kind of concerning uh, discussion that's been out there is, is that it's way on the selfish side that, you know, it's not about us. You know, our job as worship leaders isn't, you know, if, if you start to, if we start to let pride and, and stuff creep into, to who we are and what we do, we're going to, we're not going to take anyone with us, hmm. you know, and no, that, that's, that's a good perspective. I and so that. I think, I think we need to be careful as worship leaders that we're not just, that we're not just doing the stuff that we like, that we need to, when we do new songs, when we pick new songs, we need to actually think, is this going to work at our church? Right. Is and this going to take an, people to the yeah, throne? Do it intentionally. And, and, and that's one of the things um, I was going to say that, you know, there's times where a song just really, really connects with me, and I just, I just love it. You know, and it's like, you know, our church just doesn't get it, and uh, and that's okay. Uh, we were even talking about that uh, um, that rescue song mm-hmm. from Jared Anderson. I need you, Jesus. I mean, great. I yeah. love that song. Love that song. And I did it a couple times at Laurelwood, and uh, I, I don't, I don't know if if people just didn't get it or what, but no one was singing, no one was worshiping. Um, you know, and maybe, maybe, maybe you, uh, maybe you just say, all right, well, this will be a song for me. This will be a song for my personal worship. Um, or maybe there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Or, or maybe, maybe you try it again in six months and see if it's any better. Uh, you know, I should, I should put that song on a prelude CD and spin that CD for the next six months and then try it. <laughs> mm-hmm. It might work. It still might not work. Yeah, you know? yeah. Totally. But that's, you know, trying to force a song to work isn't the important thing. Right. Finding the right songs is the important thing. Good stuff. And that song works at my church. Yeah. So just because it works at somebody else's church doesn't mean it's going to work at your church either. Exactly. Everybody, every body of believers yep. is different and has different everything. So. Good stuff. We're out of time. All right. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Worship Ministry Catalyst Podcast, episode 26. Woo-hoo. We are over that first quarter, whatever. We're, we're over the hump. Yeah. So we're our, we're on our way down to 50. That's right. I guess. Yeah. If you want to look at F- it that 50's way. 50 is the, uh, the magic number. We're 50's coming. We're, we're doing a live podcast recording. Are we? Are we going to do sure. that? Sure. <laughs> well, we, we still got like six months until we well, get I to guess the- every podcast is live. <laughs> Well, yeah, but like, I mean, we don't like. No, we gotta like do it out, out in, a, out in like the park or something. Because <laughs> um, what, six months from now, we'll be in like July or August or something, and. Uh, well, six months from February would be August. Yeah, mm, right. Two plus six is eight. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know what? Come to come to think of it, let's see. No, twenty five episodes from now would be like. 
Well, yeah, half a year if we actually if we actually did record. If uh, we stay true to if our we schedule. stay true to one every yeah. week. So. Uh, anyway, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so episode twenty six in the can. You can reach us at David at worshipministrycatalyst.com or Kevin at worshipministrycatalyst.com. Join our social network, worshipministrycatalyst.ning.com, or you can always get in touch with us online, www.worshipministrycatalyst.com. If, uh, if you know some friends who might benefit from this, pass on the word that there's a cool podcast with a couple of really cool guys who don't know anything of what they're talking about, we're but cool, we're all man. trying to learn it all together. We're cool. So uh, <laughs> spread the word, and uh, we spread hope it. to hear from you guys soon. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.